This is Tani Talks Radio, the sheer and the lecture where we talk about a topic for the week for the audience members to keep. Every week, God willing, we try to talk a different topic, a different idea, and we try to go in depth through it through different sources, different stories, and different insights, and different practical lessons we could take out together to enrich and to enlighten our lives. And when we think about different topics, we think about different ideas, and we think about many different people we interact with on a regular basis, on a usual basis, a lot of times there are people that seem very in it for themselves and only out for themselves and not out to help anyone else. The question can become, what do you think of when you hear the word selfish or selfless? What do you think of when you hear selfishness versus selflessness? Caring only about oneself, lacking concern for others, and not caring about anyone or anything but himself might come to mind. These are different things we might think of, we might see when we think about the selfish versus the selfless, and definitely the selfish. When you don't have concern for others, not caring about anyone, this may be the surface definition, but it may very well be much deeper than that. The dictionary defines selfish as of a person actually or motive lacking consideration for others, concerned chiefly with one's own personal profit or pleasure. It's also defined as devoted to or caring only for oneself, concerned primarily with one's own interests, benefits, welfare, and the like regardless of others. It's characterized by or manifesting concern or care only for oneself, having selfish motives. Another explanation is that selfish is defined as being focused only on yourself or acting that way. An example of someone selfish is the classic toddler who doesn't want to share their toys. Mine, me, don't touch. Wikipedia explains selfishness being considered excessively or exclusively for oneself or one's own advantage, pleasure or welfare regardless of others. Selfishness is the opposite of altruism or selflessness and has also been contrasted with self-centeredness. Besides for thinking of themselves or only taking care of themselves, there may be actions and traits that many people may have that deem them selfish in some ways without even really knowing about it. Inc.com explains that there are seven things that you could see characteristic oftentimes in people that define them as a selfish person. A selfish person withholds important information. A selfish person does not respect other people's time. A selfish person does not like to teach. Does not like to teach. A selfish person does not listen. A selfish person does not take responsibility. They avoid responsibility. A selfish person takes all the credit. You ever been involved in a group project and one person takes the credit for five people's work? That selfishness a selfish person brings others down and tries to rip people down to build themselves up. ExploringYourMind.com points out that there are seven traits of selfish people. They do not show weakness or vulnerability. They don't accept constructive criticism. They believe they deserve everything. They do not listen to those who do not agree with them. Similar to not accepting the criticism, they criticize others behind their backs, they exaggerate their own achievements, and they are scared of taking risks. So we see selfish elements can be embedded in a person as a trait, as actions, or as feelings. 
Conversely, what does it mean to be selfless? I might say it means other-oriented, thinking about more than just yourself and wanting to take care of others quicker than yourself. When you make dinner, and you should make dinner, when you make dinner, not just the wife, the husband can do it too, and get the kids involved too, when we all make dinner, who is served first? A lot of people say you should serve the kids first, but I actually read over the years that you really should serve your spouse first, kids second, and yourself last, whoever is making the dinner, because you want everyone else to be taken care of and everyone else to make sure that they have what they need, and only then, and only then, take care of yourself. That's why oftentimes I'm eating the last five seconds before I try to run up and bring them up to dinner. First serve the wife, then serve the kids, then serve yourself is really the best way to go about it. Take care of others quicker than yourself. In terms of the definition, being selfless, as defined by the dictionary, is being concerned more with the needs and wishes of others than with one's own. Unselfish. And having exhibiting or motivated by no concern for oneself. Unselfish. Selflessness means to be concerned with others much more than oneself. How interesting that Hashem said, let's talk about this topic during the period of the sphere. Of course, this is the time of the year when the great the great learner Rabbi Akiva who went from knowing nothing to learning a lot and being a very learned person, a big sage in Israel. And he lost 24,000 students because they did not care for one another. They didn't give respect to one another. They didn't take care of one another. They only were concerned with themselves and their own honor, selfishly, what they can learn. And God made them perish for 33 days until finally it stopped. And then Rabbi, this great rabbi, had to start anew with just five students selflessly gave and gave to thousands and he lost thousands but he selflessly continued to give to the next five and that's how the Torah how the tradition continued with just those five people giving of yourself to others being concerned with others much more than oneself the idea of being altruistic or practicing altruism is defined as the belief in or practice of disinterested and selfless concern for the well-being of others Wikipedia defined it as the principle and moral practice of concern for happiness of other human beings or animals, resulting in a quality of life, both material and spiritual. Altruistic is owing owing a disinterested and selfless concern for the well-being of others, unselfish. VeryWellMind.com also explains that altruism is the unselfish concern for other people, doing things simply out of a desire to help, not because you feel obligated to out of duty. Everyday life is filled with small acts of altruism, from holding the door for strangers, to giving money to the homeless, to doing what you can to go above and beyond. I don't have to do X or Y or Z. I'm not getting paid for X, Y, or Z. I'm not getting out of it, anything out of it. I just want to help is a trait and a quality we should all have. Halavai, how much more so, how much wonderfulness would it be in English if everything we did, if every hobby we did, every passion we did made money? Why are you involved in so many ventures, Tani? They don't make any money. You put so much effort in the wrong places, in so many different places. And to all those people I say, I put my effort where I can because I want to help. It's not about the money. It's not about the money. It's about doing what you can, using your talents, using your abilities, using your qualities for others. If God gave you a gift to be a writer, to be a teacher, 
to be an editor, to be a therapist, to be a speaker, or someone involved in audio, or you have a knack for creating things artistically, whatnot. You have to use it. You have to give it other. It should be lying dormant, and it should go nowhere just because you won't be paid for it. The idea of selflessness is going above and beyond using our talents, using our abilities, even if you won't get paid, to help others and to do for others. My biggest hana'a, which means benefit in English, is when I see one person told me many years ago when I first started the OT show, the first one of the five we have in our series, in our channel, in our um, experience, I guess you could call it, is when a student messaged me, Mr. Tani, we listened to your show, and it was so helpful. I felt such a wonderful, warm feeling. No, we don't make money off the show. No, we don't get any kickback from it. It's just purely, I want to speak, I love to speak, and sometimes we just do things even if we don't get the compensation because sometimes the compensation is not in money but it's in the ability to help and it's what we see and how we can help the others i saw that comment i read it to my wife and i felt a beautiful feeling of ah finally someone was helped by something that we didn't if we want to make the world a better place we want to make the world a kinder place a lighter place maybe we could all tap into the idea of altruism of selflessness the world is a very cruel place at times it's a very dark place at times and it's a very mean place at times for a lack of a better word that I can't think of offhand but when we can counteract the darkness with light and that's the whole idea of Hanukkah my favorite holiday of the entire year Hanukkah when it comes in the high time of winter and the dead of winter when it's cold and it's dark we shine a little light we light one candle one deed one aspect one thing we could give to the world can make the whole world better we know that the two temples were destroyed for many sins one of them being the hatred the baseless hatred of others I believe if we give, and we give selflessly, we give altruistically, we can combat baseless hate and replace it with baseless love, which I believe, as the sages talk about, could be the antidote to the destruction and instead be the rebuilding of the temple, bringing us to peaceful, calm, wonderful days that should hopefully be upon us speedily in our days. Do what you can to bring altruism into your life. There are others who are quoted as saying how to be involved with altruism in your life. Martin Luther King Jr. is said to have said, Every man must decide if we will walk in the light of creative altruism or in the darkness of destructive selfishness. Albert Einstein is quoted to have said, Only a life lived for others is a life worthwhile. Winston Churchill is noted to have said, we make a living by what we get. Not by what we get, excuse me, I apologize. We make a living not by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Since I messed it up, I'm going to say it again. Coming to you live with a mistake. We make a living by not what we get, but we make a life by what we give. People have said oftentimes, the only thing we really give, the only thing we really give to others is what we really give away. The only thing we really maintain, we really keep, is that what we give to others. It's a very hard concept to explain in words, but this is the whole idea of tzedakah in Hebrew charity. What we really give is what we really keep, because after 120 years, we should all be meritorious and zochah to live 120 years. The only thing we take with us is that which we have given, that which we have done, that which we have accomplished for the world, for God, for making a sanctification of His name. We 
go and we go and we do. You take your deeds with you, your good deeds, your mitzvahs. You take the learning you've done with you. And hopefully the good name and the good deeds you've done with you. You don't take your house. You don't take your car. That's why it doesn't make sense where people run for 20, 30, 40, 50 years to make millions. And then at the grave although it's morbid, you don't take any of it with you, it's lost, it's gone. So those 40 working years, how much was sacrificed for those millions? How many hours were you not with your spouse? Were you not with your children? Were you not home? Yeah, I can make a gazillion dollars if I work for Google plus Microsoft plus Facebook plus Meta, but I'm never home and I'm not a dad, I'm not a husband, I'm not a father. So what's the point of the big house of the 14 cars? There's no point. A life lived is by what we give. H.com points out with the author of Rabbi Shraga Simmons, the Talmud in Sanhedrin, the tractate teaches us, Bishvili Nivra Ha'olam, the world was created for me. Rav Noah Weinberg, the founder of Eishat Torah, a beautiful institution that brings people closer and brings light into their lives, asked, in what way is the world ours? It is not ours to eat. Rather, it is ours to take care of. He would explain that deep down inside, taking responsibility is what we all yearn for. If you could press a button that would immediately solve all the world's world's problems, everyone in the world would want the privilege of making that happen. Yet due to the enormous amount of effort it requires, most of us give up trying. Rav Noah would challenge even the newest students to take responsibility. Genocide in Darfur, rampant poverty, the crumbling American family. You want to go to business school, the rabbi would say. What are you doing about these problems and so much more? Invariably, the students would respond, I am just one person. What can I do about it? Rav Noah would then answer, If the almighty creator creator of this universe would help you, could you solve these problems? Notice that nobody says, it's not my problem. They say, what can I do about it? It's not my problem is not what they say. What can I do about it, they say. Subconsciously, we all, and they all recognize it is the responsibility of us. It is their responsibility, it is our responsibility. But people exempt themselves because of a lack of clarity, a lack of resources to tackle the job. However, by showing people that they have the ultimate resource, God and the talents that we are given on their side, Rav Noah empowered people to try. He used to say that caring for others is the cornerstone of taking responsibility. And he would cite the action of Moses, where it says in the Torah and the Bible, he went out to his brothers and saw their pain. That comes from Shemos. Rashi, the great rabbi, explains that Moshe left Paro's palace not only to see the pain of the Jews, but to personally identify with their plan, with their pain. This was the foundation upon which Moshe's leadership was built, and this, Rav Noah taught, is ultimately what drives each of us to take responsibility. The Kahelis Rabbah points out, It was taught in the name of Rabbi Meir, When one comes into the world, this is one of my favorite quotes, When one comes into the world, his hands are clenched, as if to say, The whole world is mine. Give me, give me, give me. I will take. I will inherit. It's mine. When one takes leave of this world, how interesting that it is the opposite. His hands are open, as if to say, I have not taken from this world, I cannot take from this world with me, physically, a single thing. 
When you come into the world, your hands are clenched. Give me, selfish, I want, I need. What can you give to me? When you leave the world, only after a life lived, do you finally understand, I can't take anything with me. I am leaving this all behind. Take from me all of my possessions. I can't take it with me. I have not taken from this world a single thing. How sad. Most people don't realize this lesson till the end. We pointed out a couple of episodes again. The founder of the CEO, or the founder, I forget which one, of Walmart, and I forget his name offhand, talked about at the end of his life three words he gathered his wife his kids behind him he had a multi multi billion dollar enterprise you would think he had it made he had mansions galore and he had cars galore and he had so much money and i'm sure he gave charity to him and he did all of this wonderful stuff but at what cost at what price at how much expense of his wife and children the last three words on his earth i blew it fascinating a guy who made millions billions you would think that's what success is right success is only financial it's only how much money we make right absolutely not the person himself the ceo worth billions realizes success is not measured by money success is not measured by materialism or physicality he lost all that time all those hours because of all of his millions of business meetings in china and europe and across the world sacrificing so much time he looks at his kid and he whispers the last three words of his life i blew it don't wait till the end to think of such a way remember we come in with grabbing but we leave with open fists Perkyavus Ethics of the Fathers teaches us in 4.13, there are three crowns. The crown of Torah, the crown of priesthood, and the crown of royalty. But the best crown is a good name that supersedes them all. Because we come to the world wanting to grab so much for ourselves, realizing at the end we can't take anything with us physically. All we can take with us are good deeds, a good name, a reputation that hopefully we leave behind. This is in essence the outlook we need to have, focusing on others doing mitzvahs, good deeds and doing chesed, loving kindness and giving to others, being selflessly oriented. We also know that every good deed leads to another good deed as Ethics of the Father's Perkelvis teaches us in 4.2 and it is its own reward. Schar mitzvah, mitzvah, the famous song from Mordechai Shapiro, and Avera Goreros Avera, we should never know from such things, but each mitzvah leads to another one. Even if you do one mitzvah, it's excellent, because Rabbi Elizabeth Yaakov teaches us later on in that same chapter, every good deed you do gets for yourself a defending angel. After 120 years, if you could picture it, we've talked about this before, it's almost like a court case where there's a ton of people in the communal in the communal courtroom obviously god himself if you could try to visualize imagine that there are angels on one side angels on the other side there's the angels that are prosecuting you every bad deed every affair every sin and then there's the angels that are defending you every good deed you hope to have many many more defending angels than prosecuting ones a much stronger defense than a much stronger um people trying to rip you down you want many many more good deed angels than bad deed angels every good deed gives you a angel a defending angel after 120 years the world to come is what really comes after this world rabbi yaakov points out later in that same chapter again this world is like a vestibule before the world to come prepare yourself in this world in the vestibule so that you may enter the banquet hall 
I often talk about the idea of the wedding, which is like the explanation they're talking about here. You come to a wedding, and there's a beautiful rack of lamb, a beautiful filet mignon, if there's such a thing. Jewishly, my wife and I always discuss if there's such a thing. We watch the Master Chef show all the time, and they do this filet mignon, and I'm like, what is this? I don't know what this is. Can we make it? Can we find it? Is there any restaurant that has it? And we have some sort of a bonus at some point. But imagine that there's this beautiful piece of meat, or a beautiful rack of lamb, whatever, and it's going to wait for you at the 8.30 part of the wedding. But for some reason, you keep filling yourself up, filling yourself on some wasabi noodles, on some wakaba noodles, or whatever they call it. I forget the name of it already. And you're literally stuffing yourself when there's a beautiful piece of meat. If you fill up yourself in the smorg, in the first part, with like a good food, but you're wasting your stomach when you could have had the excellent food. What kind of a waste is that? This world is only like the vestibule, like the smorg. You're going to load up and only try to get the physicality in this world when you could have had the filet mignon had you figured out to save room, to save deeds for the next world to come. Can prepare yourself in this world so that you can accept and have room and actually appreciate that rack of lamb. Had you known in just one hour there's something that's ten times as good as those wakoba noodles or whatever, then you could have saved room for that. You should have saved room for that. Prepare yourself in this world. The best way to prepare yourself in this world, making room for the deeds to come with you, is taking care of others, is being selfless, is being altruistic, is doing what you can to have a mindset focused on doing what you can to make a difference in this world, using your talents, your capabilities, your gifts that are only given to you. How can you influence your school, your community, your world at large, your household, using your talents to contribute to your dollar almost, your four cubits in the world, making the world a better place. The Lubavitcher Rebbe taught, as Chabad.org points out to us, a Jew must be prepared to sacrifice everything, that in a deeper sense, the ultimate mysterious nefesh, the ultimate giving of ourselves, is not just about the life for the sake of God, but really having a mindset and a complete selflessness, recognizing your entire existence for the purpose of the will of God to be fulfilled, that there's no difference how you go about your life as long as it's for the ability to make the world a better place. You could have someone who's a water carrier and someone who's a neurosurgeon, but they both are fulfilling the task they're supposed to do. It doesn't mean that he's lauded and he's not. Never made sense to me why there's such a disparity, and I often complain about this to my wife and anyone who will listen, there's such a disparity for some reason among the professions. Who decided that the football players deserve $42 million because your name is Tim Tebow or whatever, the only football player I could think of off mine, he's probably already retired, whatever. Why did they get $40 million? Why does a guy acting in some movie as some random average person deserve 20 million for that movie i'm a random average person i'm happy to take 1 million for that movie you know why do they get millions the entertainers the the actors even other jobs have such a disparity i heard if you work for microsoft or msn they give you 250 or 300 everybody knows how much a teacher makes everyone knows how much an ot makes everyone knows how much you make working in the public schools and the private schools and everyone knows it's way less than everyone else but are we a lesser function in society Adaraba. on the other hand how much more so do we do more if not for teachers there would be no actors there would be no entertainers there would be no sports people so it makes absolutely no sense 
because you really accomplish a beautiful role, especially in education. There's these very funny videos my wife has shown me where a teacher comes through and is treated like an MVP and they have teacher trading cards. We should watch that video again. we got to find it. I don't know where it is. But they go about it and they show how they were lauded. Can you imagine if instead of the NFL there was the TFL, the teacher uh, fighting league or something? i got to think of a better name. But the the teacher... Wonderful League, I don't know, Teacher Fright League, we could figure it out. But if there was an actual league where people would pay to watch how good a teacher is versus not, I bet I bet he's going to do well this lesson, I bet he's not. Oh, this one, the principal's coming to watch, I'm putting down two to one on this one. It's crazy that people throw a pigskin and we're spending millions of entertainment on that. And it's so crazy when really we should think about how we go about this world. I don't know if it's a pigskin, maybe that's the basketball, whatever. In general, the idea is that you have to adopt your mindset, not just think about how little we make in the profession, how little we make in the world, but it's not about the money, it's about the effort. Because if it was about the money, we'd run for the hills from this profession, right? We wouldn't pay, get ourselves the measly salary that we get in order to do the will that is supposed to be done. But we have to do what we can to fulfill our abilities to help kids. I always wanted to work with kids. I always wanted to work with kids in school. I don't want to do home care. I don't want to do hospital. I don't want to do rehab. I did all those things in undergrad. I did all those things in field work, and it wasn't for me. My favorite, my happiest place to work with kids is in education. And the money is not as much as in other places, and that's what it has to be. But we have to know that it is a happy service. It is a holy obligation, a divine service. If we were commanded to chop wood, the rabbi explains, that too would be our holy obligation and our divine service as well. So we need to be selfless. The question becomes, what are simple ways to incorporate it? No, you don't have to make a podcast. No, you don't have to write a book. You don't have to be a a writer or an editor. Those are talents my wife has, not me. You don't have to be even a children's activity maker, like these crazy ideas I try to be involved in. There are very simple things to do in life that you can be involved in. You can be selfless. You can be involved. There are simple ways to incorporate it. LinkedIn itself, the wonderful website, people used to connect to employers and connect to employees seven qualities of a selfless leader number one being simple and down to earth they don't act but they display their real personality number two we care for everyone regardless of race religion language and color and will be transparent with everyone number three a great selfless leader trusts empowers and facilitates over command and control the leaders that are not good and i've seen this many times myself my wife has seen it secondhand from all my complaining about different places i've been they are those that are needing to have command and needing to have control tani come here in five minutes show me all your students work right now that is not a good leader that is a leader that is not really a leader. A real good leader is someone who trusts you. I empower you. I facilitate you. I want you to grow. I want you to do. Not I demand. I need you to do this now. That is not a good leader. A good leader attracts you to join them without compulsion, but you're following in their footsteps because you want to do well for the organization. You want to help and you want to contribute. A good leader doesn't hurt others for their benefit. They don't hold a grudge. They forgive and forget. A good leader celebrates success together and faces the failure alone. 
So if someone's in charge of an organization but puts the blame on every other employee ex- except for themselves, that is not a good leader. Lahavdul, Lahavdul, even a master chef, when they do the team challenges and they're always so dramatic and all these challenges, is red team going to win? Is blue team going to win? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. So many times the, the leader who's so excited and so happy to take responsibility literally throws everyone else under the bus when it comes time for the pressure challenge. Someone is going home tonight. Someone, I can't do his accent. He has a very cool accent, Gordon Ramsay. I can never do it. Someone is going home tonight. Are you going to take responsibility? Your filet mignon was raw. But a good leader oftentimes will understand that he will take the responsibility. Many times throughout the seasons we saw in these challenges, and I urge you to watch Master Chef with your spouse. It's a great show after a long day, and it's not food that you're going to really contemplate and like really salivate over because I can never make that anyway, so don't worry. It's way too high a caliber. But these leaders, and real leaders in life, they take the fall. We saw it season and season again. Lahavdum, these leaders understood. It was my fault I take responsibility. If anyone's to go down for the ship, it's going to be me. There's so many people that throw everyone else under the bus. They don't understand to take the fall, to take the criticism. You celebrate success together, but the leader takes the failure alone. They look for opportunity to contribute and support others. They volunteer their time and skills to educate others. And leaders, good leaders, selfless leaders, inspire and ignite us to dream and nurture us to follow the dream. Follow your dream. I talk about that often on all the shows, all the time. Follow your dream. You have an ability to contribute to the world. I don't care if it makes no money. Please share it with the world. Otherwise, it would be a sin. It would be a loss. I say in Hebrew, chaval. It would be such a waste not to share it with everyone else. You have a supreme ability. You have a a way to cultivate something awesome. You have to do so. You have to follow it. Yogisurprise.com points out, Y-O-G-I, five great ways to practice selflessness in your own life is very simple. One of them is to work on becoming aware of just how much you think of yourself in certain situations. Another way is to ask questions to better empathize, empathize with people. Yeah. Acknowledge and thank people for sharing their opinions when you don't agree with them. Aim to perform one simple act of selfless giving a day. This is a big one. I even say three selfless acts a day would be really above and beyond. Above and beyond the letter of the law. If you look back at your day and say three things I did for others. How awesome. And keep practicing self-love and love for all people. If everyone would give an act a day, the world would be brighter in so many ways. Love for all people, baseless love, the Chavetz Chaim, I believe, I say often, is the sage that says if the Mikdash, the temple, was destroyed because of baseless hate, the only solution, the only repair is baseless love. Baseless love comes from being selfless, being altruistic, and doing for others for no reason other than to want to give and want to do. Especially because the world is such a selfish place. We need to find ways to be selfless in a world where the tide is totally against us. A selfish world, but you could be selfless in a selfish world. And even the power of positivity.com picks up on this. Number one, practice loving kindness meditation. And I'd say baseless love for all people, as we mentioned. Ahavad chinam, baseless love to all Jews and to all people. 
perform random acts of kindness. The sages knew this long ago, talking about this often in Ethics of the Fathers. Ahavat Chesed, it's not just kindness, but it's called loving kindness, because it's not enough to just do kindness, but you should love to do kindness. My wife often says, you know, I always talk a lot about chesed, chesed, do what you can. But sometimes I don't always have the smile on. Sometimes I'm not always happy to do it. Sometimes it's not always convenient to do it. The fact is, it says loving kindness. If you do it with a grunt, which I'm guilty of, if you do it with a, which I'm guilty of, it's not the same as if you had the smile on and if you had the impetus and you had the power to do so, loving what you do. It's not just called kindness, it's called loving kindness. So you could hold the door open, but you have a scowl on your face, the person is not going to be happy you held the door open. You could greet someone, but if you greet with them with a mumble, it's not what the sages talk about when you have the pleasant countenance on your face. Doing chesed every day, but loving to do the kindness, loving to do for others, it's a higher level for us to cultivate for ourselves. In a selfish world, we're also supposed to listen more. In a selfish world, we should give of your paycheck to charity. This is what the sages thought about way, way, way long ago. We're supposed to give a 10% of the paycheck. Talk to your local Orthodox clergyman, your local Orthodox rabbi, if you're allowed to and you can. And you're allowed to give up to 20%, up to a fifth of your salary paycheck if you have the means and the ability to do so. And Rabbi Feinstein is quoted as saying, not only about the money, if you can't do the money, you can give of your time, you could give of your resources, you could give of your ability. So if you feel like you're in a ton of debt and you're clawing your way out, so you don't have to give money. Maybe give some time to someone else. Give some resources. Give some lending, listening ear to someone else. Giving 10% of that can count as well. In a selfish world, you could volunteer at a homeless shelter with children, with your time. Do more chesed. Do what you can. You could volunteer your voice if you love to do audio like I do. You could volunteer your talents if you love to write. You could write a little bit, even pro bono. Do what you can to do more for others. Practice patience, which is a big one for a lot of us. And treat others how you'd want to be treated, which is literally what it says in the tractate, in the Gemara, I believe in Shabbos, when we learn the beautiful examples of Shabbos versus Hillel and Hillel had the golden rule the convert that comes to him and says convert me on the condition you tell me everything on one foot and he says literally love your friend as you would love yourself even more than you would love yourself and the rest is commentary as explained by Hillel and the Gemara himself so these traits, these key attributes were already highlighted years ago in our wonderful tradition and our wonderful way of life, but these are simple ways to do what we can. Kindness, loving kindness, performing acts of kindness, listening more, giving to charity, giving your time, volunteering, practicing patience, treating others how you want to be treated. Simple elements in our own lives to be selfless, less selfish. Fascinating stories from BaMail.com. The Dorchester was a troop transport ship used during the Second World War. It was sunk by a German torpedo in the Labrador Sea in 1943. As the ship began to sink and its passengers began to abandon it, four lieutenants, George Fox, Alexander Good, John Washington, and Clark Poling, who also happened to be chaplains of various faiths, began handing out life jackets, including their own, and directing people to safety. As the ship began to disappear between the waves, the four chaplains linked arms together and began to sing as they went down with it. 
Working as the security director for Morgan Stanley for many years, Richard Rescorlo was a stickler for the safety of the bank's employees. As soon as the first plane hit the North Tower during September 11, 2001, that terrible day, on the terrorist attack in the World Trade Center, Rescorla immediately jumped into action and calmly instructed more than 2,500 employees that he was responsible for to evacuate the South Tower where they worked. He was killed by the impact of the plane that hit the South Tower just as he managed to get every single person out. AndersonLeadershipSolutions.com points out that on a cold November night in Times Square, Officer Lawrence DePrimo was working for a counterterrorism post when he encountered an older, barefooted, homeless man. The officer disappeared for a moment, then returned with a new pair of boots and knelt to help the man lace them up and put them on. $20, 5 minutes literally selflessly changing a life each story fascinating in its ability to be selfless whether you're saving 2500 employees which is amazing whether you're saving the ship which is also amazing or you're saving one person's life from the bitter cold each selfless act literally making the world brighter Hasidasupply.com points out that in March 1981, gunshots were fired at President Ronald Reagan in an attempted assassination. Shouting and chaos filled the street in front of the Washington Hilton Hotel. Many panicked while others ran for cover. One Secret Service agent jumped into the line of fire to shield the president. The trigger was pulled and the agent intercepted the president's bullet. It was an act of absolute selflessness. There are simple ideas also from GiveItLove.com. One child has raised $500 on two separate occasions by selling personal items at a garage sale. She used that money to fill backpacks for local school children who couldn't afford their yearly school supplies. Another child, child, not adult, child, children, saved $120 over a one-year period when his mom asked what he wanted to do with his money. He said he wanted to buy lunches for the homeless. Many kids and adults talk about how they want to help the world, but a very simple idea, which my wife herself has done before, growing their hair is a very simple, beautiful, selfless act. Many people do this so that they could donate to a place such as Locks of Love or Lahavdo Zechrom Menachem for children with the terrible disease of the Big C. One eight-year-old boy put up with bullying for two years so he could grow his hair and donate it to children with the Big C. Another little girl sold all of her stuffed animals and donated the money to the local animal shelter. A nine-year-old girl literally builds movable homes for the homeless. I don't know how she does this at nine years old. And she grows them food. Simple, amazing, direct hits of impact of selflessness to do what we can in this world. We have the power to do great things for others, even in simple ways. If we just think about it and apply ourselves, all we need to do is think about how we could bring it home to our own lives. I'm not saying you have to build homeless shelters, but I am saying that you could take any small talent you have and instead of looking for every opportunity to find compensation for it, to only think about the money and the finances, but doing something for others just for the sake of doing it. Because we want to negate the ego. The ego is all about me. We come into the world, me, 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 selfish. I take, I take, I take. We end up in the world seeing that all we could have done with our life was to give. How sad that a person sees after 120 years when the, when the fingers relax 
and they're not able to take anything when they should have lived their life giving to begin with. Because the wonderful Pirkei Avos Mishnah, one of my favorite of the entire Masechta, the entire tractate, says, ma'ani." If I am only for myself, if I only care about myself, I want to do for myself, what am I really existing of? What is the purpose of my existence? One commentary points out. What am I doing with my life? Another one points out. What is my real value, another points out. Many explain the definition a different way. If I am only for my own self, what am I? What am I comprised of? What am I really doing with myself? I want to live a hedonistic life, only indulging every whim of every restaurant, of every video game, of every show. What a waste of a life. What a waste of time, which is the biggest waste in life, is time. Do what you can in this life to make the world a better place, not just to make your tummy bigger, not just to make your video game prowess bigger, do what you can to live for others, to do for others, to be involved in a life for others. You talk about the idea of loving another person, even when it's to the detriment of yourself. There's no greater example of Yohanasan and David. Fascinating story, fascinating example. In Shmuel Aleph, Paragud Chet, it talks about how Yohanasan and David were bound up as best friends. Greater example, greater depiction than anything could have ever been seen before. Shaul was the soul, was the crown King, his son Johannes and the crown prince could have taken over, would have taken over, should have taken over, but David himself, David, was the one that was anointed by Samuel, by Shmuel, the prophet. David, David and Johannes were best friends. Jonathan knew that his father hated David. It never really explains why he had this melancholia. He had this very interesting, very sad, debilitating disease, and he needed the harp to be played by David himself. Interestingly, David was married to his daughter or daughters. Very fascinating story in and of itself, but they were best friends, even though they could have been natural rivals. Literally, Johannesson saves David's life using the arm bearer, a very fascinating Haftorah after Torah portion when it's the Machachodesh Haftorah. Fascinating. He loved him as himself, and they made a pact to take care of one another. They were best friends, even though they could have been otherwise, for sure. The best love that doesn't depend on anything is the prototype example, Perkevus points out, from David and Yehonasan. Selfishness destroys the world. Selflessness, even at the detriment of your own life, of your own wants, your own aspirations, that is the best level. It's always better to be generous than, God forbid, to be considered selfish or stingy. You want to make sure to get out of the mindset of only caring for yourself, only doing for yourself, only being involved in egotistical aspects or goals or boundaries of thinking about only yourself. Thinking about others is against the ego. Selflessness, doing what you can to instruct yourself, to do what you can for God, for the world, to make sure to transform these selfish ideals, to do what you can to give to the world, to do what you can to make the world a better place. It's learning from the idea of Avraham, Abraham, the great conductor of chesed, the great conductor of doing what you can, saying a little and doing a lot. All of his examples, the angels come, he wants to feed them. They, of course, can't eat to begin with, which he didn't know. But he says, come and eat a little bit. And he literally slaughters like three cows just to give them the delicacy of the tongue. And he gives them all this beautiful, beautiful meal, doing a little bit, even though it was difficult, even though it was the hottest day of the entire year because he just had the bris, the circumcision. God didn't want him to have guests, but he really wanted guests. Learning selflessness comes all the way back from the beginning. 
do even what you can to channel your altruism, channel your selflessness to give it to the world. If you do it without selfish reasons, if you do it just to give to the world, it's the best thing what we it's the best thing to do what we can. When we live for others, our outlook and our purpose gets increased multifold. We feel a true essence in being to make the world better. We should try to emulate having wonderful love for one another, selfless concern for others like Je- like David and Yohannesson. It's always better to be generous than to be considered the opposite. You never lose by giving, even if it's not going to be for compensation. We must fight all egotistical drives for all aspects of physicality, power, money, honor. We use the drives that we have. We should use the drives for good to do mitzvahs and chesed. Using your talents and your abilities for others to do good, not for selfish gain or reason. Again, all of my side projects, all of my side hobbies basically make no money. And that's okay because we use what we can to do in this world and God will get us back. You take it with you after 120 years and there's no greater gain than the spiritual bliss of the next world anyway. Serve Hashem not for selfish reasons. However difficult it is, do it so that you can say that you did what you can in this world. Take your drives and elevate them to spiritual ones. Use your singing for good and not just to hear yourself, to, to, to sing to yourself. Help others even if it might be difficult to time, energy, or effort. Be selfless even if it's difficult, even it might be embarrassing. Do true altruism without any ulterior motives or selfish interests. Help others even if they can't pay you back. Serve Hashem in the way that's geared to to be done. Think about the people who do what they can to grow their hair or to or to make a shelter or to do what they can to give to others. Think about the person who sent everyone else to be saved on 9-11. Think about the four clergymen who saved everyone else literally just to do a last good before the world was closed in on them. Think about the person that saved the president's life by giving his own life. Think about a simple example, the person who gave up his shoes for a very cold, very homeless person. Think about the person that got everyone out from the burning tower. Think about what you can do in your own life to do simple aspects, simple ways. Be a selfless person and a selfless leader. Do what you can to make the world a better place. If the world would have more altruism, if the world would have more giving and more good, the whole world would be such a better place. Be someone who is not selfish. Be someone who is selfless. We want to define ourselves from the dictionary as someone who is concerned with the welfare of others even before ourselves. And again, a simple thing, simple aspects, little steps really make all the difference. If you call customer service, you talk nicely. Hi, what's your name? How are you doing today? I can't tell you how many times I said that and they said, wow, Mr. Tani, no one ever asks that. No one cares my name. No one cares how I'm actually doing. It's not a genius idea that I thought of. I've seen it talked about elsewhere from the rabbis and the sages. You're supposed to start and greet other people in your life and whoever you interact with, whoever you talk with. Simple idea. You walk on the street, talk to the security guard who's at your kid's school. Thank the crossing guard who's at your kid's school. Thinking about them, how are they doing? Do you know any anything about them? Do you know my wife and I learned that one of the security people in our son's school literally worked in like one of these high intense prison systems for many years beforehand but left because he felt a supreme longing to want to take care of and help ensure security for kids? 
Did you know that the crossing guard by my son's school lives just a town over and literally comes and volunteers her time just to help people cross the street? Did you know that the person I called the other day customer service is a little kid and it's very difficult for her to do this, but she does what we can she can to try to get a little income so that she could provide for her husband and for her kid? Did you know? That the barista who gave you the coffee actually is having a very difficult time in college and he's trying to make a few extra money to help out in his own life. These are all simple things if you have a selfless attitude. You have a selfless mindset. It should come as second nature. I never thought to say a word to the barista. I just grab the drink and go. How rude. You have no derech You have no manners. No one taught you, please, thank you, and talk a little bit to another human being. Every person deserves your time, deserves your respect, deserves your ability to think about them for half a second. The teller helps you take out money. Thank you so much for this. You literally saved my day. I needed cash to pay for my son's daycare, my daughter's daycare. I needed a little cash to pay the gardener. I forgot to pay him last week. I really appreciate it. No one ever said that to me. You just made my day thinking about how a simple job of handing over money to you literally impacted your day. If you give yourself the ability to fine-tune your mind, to fine-tune your outlook, to fine-tune your ability to just think of others for a second, oh, you're coming to me anyway, make sure I'll, I'll have everything ready for you just in case. You're going to come to my house anyway after a really hot day. You're just popping off to give me a package. I'll, let me make sure to have a cold seltzer for you ready. Let me make sure to have this for you anyway. Your kid is coming to my house anyway. I'll have all the supplies ready, whatever he may need, whatever she may need. I go shopping anyway every week. I'm going to make sure to ensure and tell that I have everything ready. You're coming to my room anyway for a meeting. Let me make sure everyone has a cup of water to drink. Simple Things, simple ideas, anything you could do to have a selfless attitude can lead to more ahavat chinam, can lead to more baseless love in this world. The world always needs a little bit of light. The world always could benefit from more light. The world could always benefit from more good in this world. You have to decide if you want to live a life lived for others or a life lived for yourself. You have to understand that we don't make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. And you must understand that we need to walk in the light of creative altruism and not in the darkness of destructive selfishness. If we could think about how to make our life a selfless directed life, an altruistic life, unselfishly concerned for other people, we wouldn't have to mourn the temple in August or July. We wouldn't have to mourn the loss of the peace and the beautiful aspect that the world once was when everyone was living harmoniously, everyone was living beautifully. It all starts with you, altruistic-minded, selflessly-minded, not selfish, but selfless. Am I really selfish? I really hope that you're not. I really hope that I'm not. I really hope we can cultivate within ourselves the ability to be powerfully selflessly driven, to be powerfully altruistically driven, to do what we can, whether we call or we interact, you have a little bit of time, you have a little bit of money, give it to someone who really needs it, even if they don't ask, even if you don't agree with how they live their life or how they go about their finances or their time or their resources or their efforts, it doesn't matter if it makes them happy, they have a quality of life, a beautiful quality of life, a happy life, a happy wife, a happy kids, doesn't matter all the other aspects, do what you can to contribute 
to support them. Give a kind word, a kind smile, a kind aspect. Do what you can to be selflessly driven, to be altruistically driven, and hopefully the world will be so much greater, so much lighter, that we will finally be able to celebrate the temple being rebuilt speedily in our days. And may that day, in fact be today. This has been Tani Talks Radio where we talk weekly 8.30 about a topic for the week for the audience members to keep and I'm your host, Tani.